0: What's up everybody welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi and today is Thursday, January 14th, 2016 and you guys are listening to episode 241. I hope everybody is doing well. Uh, it is early Thursday, everybody, so this one, I'm, I'm calling this one on time. Uh, you know I like to put it out Wednesday night or early on Thursday. Um, it's early Thursday today. And uh, I am feeling much better This was a rough week man I just could not I don't know what it is But when your kids go to daycare I have a very young daughter And she fucking brings things home From these these animals No it's just these kids are so like Contagious with shit My daughter comes home Anytime my daughter gets a cold I get one And uh, it was bad But I am feeling much much better today And uh, I am ready to go on this episode 241. I hope everybody had a good time in between. Just wanted to uh, let everybody know, too, that if you did buy the CD and you did buy the poster, the TV poster, they were sent out this week. So you guys should be getting them next week. So if anyone's like, yo, what the fuck? What's going on? Just with the holiday And then uh, getting sick and all kinds of stuff like that. had to make sure that I had the right orders out and everything like that. So you guys will be getting your stuff uh, soon if you ordered it. Don't worry about that. Um, They will uh, all sent out. Uh, They're all sent out. Uh, uh, By next week, you guys will have them. Okay. A lot of stuff to talk about this week. A lot of shit going on in sports. Um, Insane NFL playoffs that I have to talk about because, I mean... I saw some stuff that we all saw. That uh, a couple of them were just pretty, just inexplicable. Like I just never seen some shit that I saw. Uh, so I'm going to get into that. New York Football Giants have a new head coach. Um, don't know how I feel about that. We're going to talk about that. Some stuff with the with movies. Uh, Oscar nominations came out. Um, I loved live tweeting about the Golden Globes, just shitting on it, I had so much fun doing it, Um, just a ton of stuff to talk about, obviously you're guys on Acceptables, so uh, we'll get right into it, we got a full, fun-filled, packed out TVE for you guys today, so sit back, relax wherever you may be, whether it's in your car, are you in a cubicle, what are you doing right now? Are you on the treadmill? Are you sitting down around a fire and a little flurry of snow with your friends? Talking shit, listening to this, disagreeing with half of my shit. Some of you agreeing with the other half of my shit. Where are you? Wherever you are, enjoy it. Because uh, I do it for you people. All right. Before we get into episode 241, got a shout out to sponsor. The Verzi Effect podcast is... Sponsored by GonzoFame.com. As always, go to GonzoFame.com for the best, most in-depth interviews with your favorite comedians of today. Up-and-coming comedians, some comedians you've heard of, some comedians you've never heard of, some very established comedians. Either way on GonzoFame.com, if they did an interview on GonzoFame.com, I will assure you that it is definitely um, detailed, a lot of stuff about the comic that you probably would never know, really cool website if you are a comedy nerd, run as always by funny up and coming comedian out there in Chicago, Dave Gavry, check out gonzofame.com, they're always adding people on there, and yours truly is on there, um... My buddy Big J Okerson is on there. My buddy I uh, got a lot of friends who are on there. Chris Lambert and Joe Matteris. And um, just the list goes on. Doug Stanhope is on there. Ralphie May is on there. Hannibal Burris is on there. Great interview, so go to gonzofame.com. Man, I plug my sponsors great. Don't I, everybody? Fuck you should be paying me more i'm kidding dave relax dave's gonna call me up after Yo, dude I, I was just you know do you think i mean i think we got a good thing relax i'm fucking with you um no booze everybody i am going on right now and i'm gonna read something somebody wrote me afterwards but uh that'll be when i do the unacceptables what is the noise coming from there's a noise And I don't know if it's the heat, but it's fucking annoying me. And I got to figure out where it's coming from. Because it sounds like a fucking... I don't know if it's the refrigerator or whatever it is, but I'm sorry. Um, anyway, I am... What is it now? Almost two weeks without a drink. I feel fantastic. Um, no weed. Nothing. Alright? This guy doesn't need any kind of rehab, not that I had a problem like that, but, you know, it was going on some time where it was like, man, a lot of traveling, a lot of hanging out, and, um, you know, I was like, fuck it, man, on my own, I was just like, I'm just gonna take a break, and I'm already losing weight, I feel phenomenal, Um, and a lot of people actually reached out, you know what's funny about this, and I, I, I realize it, you know, more, when I actually was vocal about what I was doing and people reached out to me, I didn't understand how much it does affect and people either want to do do what I'm doing or are doing what I'm doing or wish they could, you know, just wish they could and stuff um, because it affects people all the time, you know, drinking and smoking weed and you get caught up in Every time you do something social, you gotta have a cocktail. You gotta, you gotta, um, you know, catch a buzz or smoke some weed and hang out. And obviously, listen, I'd be lying if I said it didn't enhance the experience. And and by no stretch am I a, an addict. Um, and I'm not. I'm not one of those people that say I'm not an addict when I'm not. I'm not. I would be the first to admit. Listen, I got a little bit of a drinking problem. I got. I'm not. I've always been. I've been lucky and I've been fortunate enough. And I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody that does have a problem who can't do this because there's a lot of people that can't do this and I'm not trying to be disrespectful um, to them but I've always been the type of guy where when I started to like uh, okay man you're partying too much you need to chill I was able to or hey you know um, you know you are just you're you're getting run down and you're 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 smoking a little too much weed or you're you know you're drinking a lot of fucking whiskey and scotch this month, and you need to, and I was always able myself, that anybody having to kind of interfere, able to like have that kind of, um, you know, cap on myself, and I remember back in the day, you know, a couple of my friends, we got some blow, and um, I remember one weekend, we did some blow, and it was great, you know, and I was always, you know, I was never like a fucking nut job with, you know, with any kind of drugs, because I was always afraid you know, I was always afraid, man, to just go to a place where I had no control, um, I remember one time, we all put, like, acid tabs on our tongue, and I had never done acid, and as soon as I put it on my tongue, like, in a split second, I just spit it out, I was like, fuck this, I just spit it out, and I remember, like, the only thing it did to me, because, it, it, like, I got a very little bit of it, the only thing it did to me was kind of keep me up a little, like, keep me up late, and I was, like, laughing a little bit, but, Like it didn't like I didn't start seeing shit that wasn't there, and I was just never like that. I was like, nah, I don't I want to do it. Um, I never did shrooms. I I don't want to like the last thing I want to do is see shit that's not there because my mind is not good like that. My mind is good when I'm kind of in control and everything is intact. You know, the last thing I want to do is see like a leprechaun dealing cards or something, and I start fucking crying. I don't need that shit in my life. Um, so, (laughs) I don't know why a leprechaun dealing cards, just a visual of that, like you're sitting somewhere, you turn and you just see a leprechaun like fucking playing the dealer, just dealing out poker, I don't know why, that fucking would horrify me, um, but I remember one time my friends would get coke, and uh, we did it that weekend, and it was great, you know, and I felt great, and then the next weekend they're like, yeah, we're doing it again, and I was like, nah, nah, see that's where the problem's gonna, you know. And then I had friends from there or people that I knew. Obviously, I didn't hang out with them all the time, but I knew friends that when they would dabble, then they would go to bigger things, uh, heroin and shit like that. And I was never trying to do that. So um, I guess the point of what I'm trying to make is that I'm, I'm fortunate to where I myself could be, be like, look, you need to chill. You're partying too much and this and that. I will say, though, when I am out drinking and I'm having a good time, I never want the night to stop. 5 o'clock in the morning, if people are still up making cocktails, I'll probably have one, you know, but people are reaching out to me, and people are like, dude, man, congratulations, are you still doing good? That's awesome, I'm trying to do it too. Um, People reached out to me saying that they did have friends, and and people saying, oh, you're not as fun when you don't drink, and and that's fucking bad, man, those people are poison, and even if you love them, you should tell them, and those people need to be called out, Be like, fuck you, dick, don't tell me that. Don't tell me I'm not fun. I'm fun. Let's go watch the game. I could watch the game with a Diet Coke and enjoy myself. I could, I could. you know, talk sports and have a good time just because I'm not sitting here drinking. I'll smoke a cigar with you, whatever. But while you're drinking scotch, I'll drink a coffee. I'll still enjoy myself. I'm still the same person. Don't let those people make you feel bad, man. And I, could, I, I couldn't I could believe people reaching out to me telling me that. And it does. It happens. It happened with me, like I said on the last show. It happened with me with a, with a family member. And I realized the reason why the family member did it was because they, they, they don't, they can't do it. They can't do it. You know, people are weak, man. When people see you losing weight and people see you going to the gym and people see you running and people see you doing that, they'll joke like, oh, that'll stop in a month or that'll stop. That joke is really them insecure going, I can't fucking do what this guy's doing. I wish I, I, I could. That's really what it is. All that hatred. And, and it's unfortunate, but that's how people are. People see something good. They can't do it. They're upset about it. Those are the same people that see somebody pull up in a Maserati and they go, yeah, but are they really happy? Yeah, they're fucking happy. So um, I appreciate you guys reaching out about that, man. Don't let anybody else. It's all how you feel. Like, I feel fantastic. Like, forget losing the weight and sleeping better. I just feel amazing when I'm awake. Clothes are fitting better. You know, just everything. Even your, I'm faster with everything. It's just, it's the best. It's the best, dude. Sober life is awesome. It's really underrated. And don't get me wrong. I'm not going to never have a scotch again. I mean, I'm going to have a scotch on the rocks and smoke some sticks here and there and and enjoy myself. But I'm just doing this cleanse and it feels fucking fantastic. Nothing is overwhelming when you're sober. You know? When you're hungover and you wake up hungover with that guilt, man, life is overwhelming. You're like, man, am I going to be able to get through this? Oh, I got bills and I don't really like my job and I feel awful and I don't know what's going to happen and everything like that. When you're sober, you're just like, all right, I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to get my shit together. I'm going to come home. and make dinner and everything's fucking in order. It's like, it's basically like cleaning your room except mentally, like your fucking mental space is clean. And when you're just getting high and drunk and fucked up, your room is a mess. You know, it's just fucking awful, there's like socks everywhere, like open condom wrappers laying all over the bedroom, you know, you got like a fucking empty cans next to your bed, you just wake up, you are just like there's a fucking ashtray filled with cigarette butts, it's just a fucking mess, then all of a sudden you're sober for a week and it just starts cleaning up and you're like, holy shit, I'm not a piece of shit anymore, so that's where I'm at right now, I feel good, and um, I hope, you know, if it, the cool thing is, man, like, just as a comic with, with um, fans, some people are like, you know, hey, man, that's awesome, I'm doing that too, thanks for reaching out, so anyway, man, if you're doing that, keep it up, keep it up, and if you want to do it and think you can't, you can, you really fucking can, just just try to get through the first couple of days, and, uh, you know. And do the best you can with it. But it feels fucking good, man. Like, when I take an edible, those edibles, they're awesome when you're on them. But I'm, like, fucking cloudy for a day and a half afterwards. Words, So You're just kind of, like, a little stoned over and, like, kind of out of it. And then the next day, you're, like, slowly getting back. But you just don't, you're obviously, like, not refreshed. I love those people who say, yeah, yeah, no, I feel great afterwards. Like, yeah, you feel great. But you're still tired and not the same fucking mental, like, capacity that you should be. You know, just because you feel like, oh, no, I'm good, I'm, re-. no, you're not. You're not fucking rested. You were fucking high for hours, like, a little while ago, and now your brain is trying to fucking come back to it. It's not the same. Fucking, I, dude, there's nothing funnier than somebody, like, like, somebody who gets fucked up, and they just think it doesn't affect them. Now, are there people that are productive? Absolutely. There's definitely... I I had friends, dude. I had friends in school get fucked up, like, ace tests, go out, like, be productive and stuff. I'm not saying that, but it's still not, like, you're still not as sharp as you would be. I remember I saw, um, I saw the documentary. I saw bits and pieces of the documentary, uh, I Am Chris Farley, which was super sad and also amazing. Chris Farley was an absolute monster, um... Just a beast, man. As far as comedically and and like a good dude and just like committing to what he did and stuff. But um, you know, they said, uh, you know, they were talking about it, like Jay Moore and Adam Sandler and all those guys were talking. If you guys didn't see it, you should watch it, especially if you're an SNL fan or if you're a you know Chris Farley fan. Tommy Boy was, you know, just so funny and still to this day, it's just such a funny, great movie. But they were like, man when Farley was sober for a few days or would come back from rehab and be like sharp and clear, said there was like nobody more brilliant and uh, nobody better. Like just like even like nobody was even close to him. Like how just brilliant and great and funny and amazing he was. And just think about, think about that for a second. It's like as much as the dude was funny, probably fucking baked or, or drunk and all that stuff or doped up, as good and as funny as he was, and, and and he's probably one of the greats even like that. And everybody who knew him and all his peers said when he wasn't, when he was sober and he was really clear-headed, he there was absolutely nobody better and he was at the best and the top of his game. So why wouldn't you always be like that? Or or at least try to be like that as much as you possibly can. Now, I'm not trying to sound like a fucking buzzkill here. All right, I'm not trying. You guys are probably, some people are probably listening to this drinking, smoking weed right now. God, now fuck you, Versy. Get to the jokes. I know. I know. You know, I've done my podcast drunk before. It's a, it's amazing. You know, the last time I was hammered with a bunch of friends I was at the Rose Bowl, it was incredible. I'm just saying, man, if you're trying to get through it, man, you could do it. You could do it and and still have still have fun. Um and don't let your asshole friends who are fucking fat drunks tell you otherwise. Fuck that shit. I love those people, too. You know those people who are like, "Why?" Why? Life is boring with that. I need to get high because my life sucks. Those people you're never going to get through to. Those fuckers. Let's get high. Well, I don't want to be sober through this shit. I'm a... Fucking dopes. Um, Alright, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about here. But anyway, I'm feeling good. And, um... I hope you guys are. What can we talk about now? I did not play Powerball, everybody. I didn't. I don't know. I just didn't want to get out of my car. I think my wife and her, my wife and her, like job, they all did. I got friends and family who did. I just didn't feel like waiting in line in a fucking deli or wherever they sell the fucking lottery tickets. I didn't feel like waiting online and and just being there like. Like a fucking cattle call to get my fucking numbers. And I know you got to be in it to win it. And I know all this stuff. But it's like a 1 in 200 something million chance. You got a better chance of getting into a fucking plane crash. And I mean shit. God forbid that's happened to people. And you know it can happen to anybody and blah blah blah. But I just was like I didn't feel like doing it. And I was thinking to myself who's going to win. It's never somebody you know. It really is, It's and, and it was. It's always some fucking Indian guy who just got to this country four years ago, you know, and he's just fucking, like, crying, holding a ticket. He could barely speak fucking English. He's, like, looking at the cameras like they're from another planet. He can't fucking believe what's going on, and and that's it. It's always that. It's always that. Uh, you know? It's never like your neighbor fucking, you know, Ted who like goes, works every day, commutes, comes home. It's never fucking Ted. It's never fucking Tony who's owned the pizzeria in your neighborhood forever and now the guy could shut it down and not have to work anymore. It's never that fucking guy. It's always some fucking bangladeshi guy. It's the same. It's always, it's fucking history repeats itself. You know, how about some broke person in fucking Harlem or a bad neighborhood where you live? Just going, holy shit, man, I had nothing. I make fucking $11,000 a year. My kids are wearing the same sneakers three school years in a row. I can't fucking believe this. I'm a billionaire. Just cursing. Yeah, motherfucker. What? I did it. I fucking did it. Fuck you. Fuck you. You know, just somebody like it's never that. It's never that. It's always, it's always somebody you don't know. And watch, there's gonna be one person incident to this who's like, no, no, my neighbor actually won the Mega Millions, and fuck. But, you know, just one time, I just wanted to be like, oh, did you hear the fucking dude you went to college with? Actually, I, I think I mentioned this before, a but my best friend in grade school, Donnie Belfiore, from West Harrison, New York. Shout out to him. He was my best friend from third grade to eighth grade. His younger brother... His younger brother won the scratch-off uh, win for life, a thousand for life, which is pretty cool. So I do know that. But I'm talking like the one where it's like you get, you know, eight hundred million, and the whole country's going after it. it. You know, the chances are just so. Long story short, I was too lazy to get out of my fucking car. And I'm trying to justify it now, and I'm almost glad it was some Indian guy, and not a guy that i you know, that I've known. Actually, it's probably better off. Because then you know a friend, like, oh, you didn't play? Oh, man. Like, ah, fuck you. Hope they go broke. (laughs) Uh, Well, I didn't do it. So we'll see. Um, I'm going to get into sports now. I'm going to talk sports, and then I'll do the unacceptables. Um, What an unbelievable NFL wild card. Wild card weekend is always the shit. It's always a shit, and I'm not going to lie. Uh my wife's not going to listen to this so I can say it, but I had some action this weekend, everybody. I want a little bit of money with the Rose Bowl. I'm not a big gambler. I don't gamble anymore really on football. But with the playoffs, when that's when the defenses are playing their best, that's kind of when like the lines are really close, and that's when I like to get a little, you know, a little action going. So I um I uh, won at the Rose Bowl, then I did a a tease with the Bengals and the Chiefs, and did I do it, was it the Bengals and the Chiefs? Yes, I did a tease with the Bengals and the Chiefs and won, and then I took the Vikings and the under and won. And then I lost on the Redskins, although I picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl. I mean, to go to the Super Bowl for the NFC. So that's the good news. So for you people that don't think I have credibility and you've listened to the show, you know I've been doing the show for five fucking years now, okay? And I think in the the, the five years I've been doing the Versity Effect podcast, I picked two Super Bowls where both teams were in it. Oh, no, one Super Bowl where both teams were in it. And then three other Super Bowls where at least one team was in it. This year, I have to admit, I picked um, I picked the Packers to go to the Super Bowl against the Colts. So obviously my AFC pick is not in. Um, I didn't know Andrew Luck was going to be hurt. I didn't know, obviously, that the Colts were going to basically have the year they had last year and then totally digress the way that they did. But it happens. However, my Packers pick is still there, but they're just not the same team. Aaron Rodgers had a couple of glimpses. He had some glimpses of himself in this game. I think they're going to be in big trouble against the Cardinals. Um, But you never know because with that guy, man, reigning MVP, you never know. And my pick for the Super Bowl is still there, but I can't lie. I picked against him with very little money because I won decent money with the other games that I won. So the only loss that I had was with uh, was with the Redskins. And shame on me for picking the Redskins against, you know, one of the best players in football and a Super Bowl champion. It's just, it wasn't him. It was just every other thing that, that was going on with the Packers, I just didn't think. But um, the cincinnati Bengals loss was arguably... The Cincinnati Bengals loss to me was as brutal of a loss. The only way, the only reason why it wasn't as brutal as the Spurs in game 6 against the Heat was because this wasn't for a title. It was I mean it was going for a title, but it was still round one of the playoffs. That's the only reason why it wasn't one of the worst losses I've ever seen. I've never seen. And I know some people coming at me, "No, no, our team blew elite. no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about your team blowing a lead. I'm not talking about your team having the game and in the last second. That happened to the Giants all fucking year, okay? Teams get conservative. They start, you know, they start thinking they're managing the clock right. They're not. They go into a prevent defense. It bites them in the ass. I'm not talking about that. Pay attention to what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a team that won the fucking game. The game was won, okay? Now, even after the brutal fumble, which the kid can't fumble, you know, you you hold the ball with two fucking hands, you hug it like it's, you know, you hug it like your life depends on it, you fall down, you try to run the clock out as much as you can, and that's it, the kid fumbles the ball, that's bad enough, but then, to get 30-yard penalties, 30 yards on two penalties, and that Antonio Brown hit, that fucking guy, that was ridiculous, you don't do that, that's the same guy that intercepts the ball, and when he intercepts the ball, he runs through the tunnel, that could be an unacceptable by itself, it was one of the worst, that guy is such a fucking dope, and I'm sorry if you're a Bengals fan, but that is the fucking dumbest thing I've ever seen, Pac-Man Jones pushing a coach, all these things, and it just comes down to these fucking dopes, are not disciplined right and I don't give a fuck you know I'm not saying Marvin Lewis should be fired but I'm not saying he shouldn't be fired if Marvin Lewis was fired two hours after that game it would have been just yes the fuck it would have it would have been just it's ridiculous and the fact that he's kind of being calm what do you think Bill Parcells or Tom Coughlin or or Jim Harbaugh or some, some of these fucking guys John Gruden what do you think these guys Bill Cower, all these guys that won Super what do you think these guys would do If their fucking players did that. They would scream at him, tell him to sit down and take him out of the game and make an example of him. That's what they would have done. And fucking... This guy is told a million times. A million times to keep his cool. And he's a playmaker, so he makes a fucking play. He intercepts the ball. He runs through the tunnel like a dope. I thought he was going to get a penalty. He didn't. I don't know how he didn't. I don't know how he didn't. And then he fucking knocks this guy unconscious, rolls eyes ba- rolls his eyes back of his fucking head, uh, Antonio Brown, almost kills the guy, you know, granted, Joey Porter came out there, even still, keep your head, you're winning the game, see, what it comes down to is the emotions were so great that these guys couldn't even, these guys are so stupid, see, stupidity, stupidity is something that What's, what's the comedian's name? Ron White. Ron White, the guy who drinks whiskey and smokes a cigar on stage or whatever. He said, you can't fix stupid. And, he's, and, and I know he jokes and stuff, but that's 100% true. It's like, do you ever think in a million years Bill Belichick would ever have a game won and ever have his players behave like that? And do you think if Bill Belichick's players behaved like that, they would fucking be on the team? They, their fucking locker would be cleared out. He doesn't give a fuck if you're a playmaker or you're a star. He would send your ass to the fucking Jaguars in a second. He doesn't give a fuck. These stupid assholes. Pac-Man Jones and this 55, I can't even pronounce a stupid fucking name. These guys do that shit. How dumb do you have to be? I mean, you're you're winning. You're winning. You they they're they they do not have the field position to even kick a field goal. What are you doing? You're about to win the game in advance. So no, it's not the same as your other team losing. Anybody, I, Listen, I've seen the Giants. It happened to the Giants. It happened to the Giants this year many times. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your team winning and then stupidity of your own players. Self-inflicted wounds lose the game for you. Being conservative with the clock, that's not really self-inflicting. You think you're doing the right thing and it bites you. Okay? It's like when Oscar De La Hoya was fighting Trinidad and he won the whole he won the fight on points, but then the last 3 rounds he danced around because he just thought he had the points and Trinidad had all these flurries and the judges gave it to Trinidad and De La Hoya said I didn't finish the fight, I didn't do it. That's not that's not devastating. You know, what's devastating is if De La Hoya won 9 out of 12 rounds and it was over and then he decided to just start kicking Trinidad. What, what, no, like, that's how fucking stupid, like, that's why it was, I, if, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I would be sick after that loss, and this guy has been to, what, seven playoffs in a, in, in a row, and hasn't won the first round, and he's that close, and that happens, fucking brutal, and shame on the players for not, shame on the players for not understanding what the Pittsburgh coaches were doing, if the Pittsburgh coaches are on the field, All you do calmly is you walk up to the official and you go, how is this not a penalty? How are they walking on the field right now? Instead of running up to them and pushing them, you fucking dummies. Good. I'm glad Cincinnati lost. Maybe their fans could understand how fucking stupid their team is. They don't deserve to go further. They don't deserve to go What do you think if a team like that would have won against the Patriots? Those fucking dummies. Bill Belichick would have outwitted those fools before the game even started. So fuck them. They deserve it. They're that stupid. They deserve to lose. Sorry, Cincinnati Bengals fans. Your team's a bunch of fucking dummies, and your coach has no discipline on your team. You deserve to be out of the fucking fucking contest. Goodbye. Go get smarter fucking players in fucking idiot. You're going to catch a football and intercept it to win the game. And then you're going to run 70 yards downfield into the tunnel with your other dumb teammates who thinks it's cool. Fuck you. Then the Minnesota Vikings, this poor kid, 27 yards. Guys, I've kicked a 27 yarder. I've kicked the, the furthest one I've ever kicked. I think I kicked a 30 or a 35 yarder. Now granted it wasn't off the ground. It was on one of those. It was on like a tee we did it at the like the middle school that was behind my mom's house we walked through the woods and we we me and my little brother we'd go and we kick him i'll still never forget i'll never ever forget the story of when two girls i said it on the podcast a long time ago and uh i it was it was just something i'll never ever forget um my, me and my, if you never, if you heard the story, I apologize, I'll make it quick, but me and my younger brother are at the middle school, and we're kicking field goals, and we're, you know, we're holding the ball on, you know, on our toe, teeing it up for each other, and we're, you know, kicking field goals, and then we got back, I don't know, maybe 25 or 30 yards, or whatever it was, 25, and we just, for some reason, we just hit this cold spell where we just couldn't kick it, and we were, like, low, and left, and right, and we just couldn't kick it in, and I swear to God, these two junior high girls were walking by, and one girl started talking shit. And she's like, "I'll do it" or whatever. And I swear to God, she wa- she walked up to us, and I forgot who held it. I forgot if it was me or my brother who held it. And this girl just walked up, and she did like the straight kick, like the old school guy, like the Dempsey one, where like just like where they just walk up and like kick, and she just kicked it, and the thing just flew up in the air and went right through the uprights. And she just grabbed her books and just walked away. it was fucking awesome and made us feel like such bitches at the same time. But it was such a cool story. I wonder if that girl, like, she's younger, so I wonder if she even would remember it. But she's probably in her mid to late 20s now. But, um, I mean, my jaw dropped when that kid missed. And I know they're like, oh, well, he always misses from the left hash. I don't care if it's the left, the right, the middle, wherever you are. It's a 27-yard field goal to advance in an NFL playoff game. I don't... And you're a professor... I mean, are you serious? Oh, my God. Talk about just choking. That guy can't play in Minnesota again. Someone on the radio said it, and they were 100% right. They were like, every miss would be so magnified in Minnesota with that guy in that uniform. And, uh, and just... That guy... That guy needs to go to another team and just move on. Because... um yeah, I mean, that's just brutal, man. Like, what do you do? That's fucking 27-yard field goal to beat the the, the Seahawks. And the Seahawks need to calm down with the whole, oh, hallelujah, you know. No, I'm not going to say it's luck. Things happen. You know, things happen. It's like, shut the fuck up, Pete Carroll. You got lucky. Pete Carroll annoys the shit out of me because everything with him, that's why I'm so glad that Malcolm Butler intercepted that ball on him last year. The guy leaves the, the USC Trojans in shambles. Just just got, just got in the escape vehicle, the getaway vehicle, and left everybody behind. He's like, ah, fuck it, the car's here, I'm going. That's what he did. And he's just a smug, gum-chewing, fucking khaki pants blowing in the wind, big white fucking New Balance sneakers. He annoys the shit out of me, Pete Carroll. He thinks he's so cool gotta see Richard Sherman on his hands and knees holding his helmet it just made me sick they should have lost the game the Bengals and the Vikings should be going on the Bengals don't deserve it because they're stupid and the Vikings kicker just what do you do what did you do oh god that's gonna that will eat him the rest of his life and I don't mean with I don't mean with like fans I mean with within himself that's the hard thing about being a relief pitcher or being a field goal kicker. Because if you do get that moment and you get that stage, you know, like I feel like, you know, with what I do in comedy is different. You know, you go up, you have a bad set, you have a bad set. Even on a big stage, if you have a bad set, that ah, sucks. But hopefully, you know, you, the majority of the time you can, you know, do your job and make the people laugh and have a good time yourself and all that stuff or whatever. You know, but... And it's not televised for the whole fucking world to see, you know. But if you're like a relief pitcher and you give up a bomb in a crucial part of the game, what the fuck is my cat doing? Hold on. All right, I'm back. Fucking cat screaming at the door. Um, Yeah, like if you're on that big stage and you give up a bomb in a big moment, Or you miss a field goal kick in the Super Bowl or something, man. That's, like, pressure. Like, that's fucked up, man. You know? Makes you feel bad for those guys that, like, have to live with that. And It's just a game, but at the same time, it's like, ugh. But 27 yards, it's almost like, I think it's worse. It's worse missing a 27-yarder than it is missing a, you know, a 48-yarder or a, you know. Because any field goal you miss over 45 yards, it's like, all right, fine, I'm a professional, I should probably nail it, but like, you know, things happen, it's like 27-yarder. It's like, I think, most, I think most high school kickers, I bet you my prediction would be most high school kickers, I would say it's probably 55 to 60% high school kickers would make that kick, more than 60%. College, I would say it's more than eighty-five percent. NFL, it's probably more than ninety-six or ninety-seven percent. And he fucking missed it. That's that's brutal. So those games, uh, those games were really fun to watch. Pretty amazing um, to see that. To see what you know went down. The Bengals, I will never forget that one. Um, what else do we have here? with sports the New York Giants everybody hired Ben McAdoo the offensive coordinator for the last two years um good news about that is Eli Manning had two of his most productive years in his career um under this guy um bad news is you just I mean not bad news but you just don't know what the guy's gonna do as a head coach he's never been in this situation before but um Eli endorsed him, which is kind of good enough for me. I mean, I wanted a big name like Gruden or somebody like that that's going to really fucking get on people and make them do their jobs, especially on defense. But but you got to give this guy a chance. Um, I think with the $50 million that the Giants had. See, I would have liked Tom Coughlin to have been able to use the $50 million. I would have liked a two-time champion. And all these people going, everybody's going at me going, "Hey, Paul, you like Tom Coffin so much. He missed, you know, six out of the last seven playoffs. And the last three years were, you know, not good. And you didn't make the playoffs. Fine. But what everybody is forgetting to, to say in that moment is that he won the fucking Super Bowl four years ago. And then four years before that, he won the fucking Super Bowl. So here's a guy who has a record of, yeah, a couple of times he'll miss the playoffs and things will go bad, but then he wins the Super Bowl. Not to mention, no other coach has played better against the Patriots than this coach has. You know, we played the undefeated Panthers, came back 28 unanswered points. I mean, that's got to be something about the coach. How come the coach—I mean, granted, we lost the game, fine. But the fact that they fought back and in that game, doesn't that have to do with coaching? Doesn't that have to do with, hey, we're playing an undefeated team, we're getting the shit kicked out of us at home, and we fought all the way back to tie that game? Does the coach get no credit for the the way they still fought like that? Not to mention him not having defense, so— for everybody saying that, yeah, he lost. Yeah, he lost, he lost, he lost. I get it. He had three bad seasons in a row, and they could have—they were fair to him. I'm not saying it's completely unacceptable and crazy they got rid of Coughlin. I'm not. I'm not. And I wouldn't even have said that last year. But what I'm saying is... With fifty million coming off the cap, why wouldn't you give that guy the opportunity? Why wouldn't you give the guy who brought a fucking another parade to New York City four years ago? Why don't you give that guy fifty million dollars? Let him sit down with Eli and the coordinators, find out what they really think they need to you know get to the next level, sit down with the defense, sit down with the GM, you know, really highlight and circle the problems on defense and fix it through a draft. Use the money to get free agents, do whatever you can, and give that guy a chance. And then, if he doesn't do shit this year with the $50 million, okay, and people coming off of injury and improving the defense with draft picks, then go, hey, Tom, it's been a great fucking run. It didn't work out. We're going somewhere else. We're going in another direction. You're 70 years old. I don't think that they should have done it this year. But now that they did... And Eli endorsed this guy. Let's see what happens. The big name wasn't out there, so we'll see what happens. You know, nobody knows better than Giant fans that it's the most unpredictable um, team. It's, you know, I know some people see the highlights and they get it and they look at the thing, but when you watch the Giants, when you watch them play, you honestly can get a team that looks like they could win the Super Bowl and then the next week a team that can't make the playoffs. It's the weirdest thing. It's just who they are. It's who they are. And that really does come down to not having the best personnel and just having the guys that are really good showing up. I also found out another stat about Eli Manning. Eli Manning is one of five quarterbacks to win two Super Bowl and two Super Bowl MVPs. I'm going to try to find the other two for you guys right now. Just to put into perspective cuz yes, do I am I hammering the am I hammering at home? Yes. I'm hammering it home because there's still a lot of dopes out there that don't like Eli Manning. Okay. Uh, So I'm going to type in quarterbacks with two Super Bowl MVPs. And let's see what comes up. Uh, What the fuck? Oh, here we go. The worst quarterback here. The worst quarterback to ever win multiple Super Bowls. Let's see what comes up. Let's see what comes up. These fucks are gonna. Who's gonna be on this list? Oh, okay. What? Uh I don't know. There's there's a couple of. Here's the here's the list that they say here. Okay. So all right, there are always interesting sports and non-sports conversations that get going, um, that get going during the show prep. Blah blah blah. My apologies in advance. Has this place okay? So here's here's some um, um, Joe Montana number one four Super Bowls. It says, of course, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So Montana's placement on this list is a no-brainer. The most clutch. Signal caller in the history of football, also threw for more than forty thousand yards in his career. Won three Super Bowl MVPs and two MVPs. Congratulations, Joe Cool! Uh, all right, Elway. Or this is another list: Elway, Brady, Starback, Star, Bradshaw, Aikman, Greasy, Manning, and Roethlisberger. Then Plunkett is was eleventh. All right, whatever. I don't know what that list was. Anyway, there's five. There's five. Um, Super Bowl, like, two, two-time two MVPs, it's like Montana, Eli, I think, um, was it Bart Starr? There was, it was, anyway, the list was ridiculous, and he's also tied Joe Montana, Eli's tied Joe Montana for fourth all-time on fourth quarter, in fourth quarter comebacks, but yeah, I don't know if he's the guy, guys, I don't know if he's the guy yet, you know, who knows if he's the guy, um, yeah, before I forget, I want to say, um, Rest in peace to Alan Rickman, who passed away, apparently. I heard that on the radio, and then I saw things on um, social media. But Alan Rickman, man, the great Alan Rickman. Yes, he was, um, he played Hans in in fucking Die Hard, which was awesome. Uh, He was also Professor Snape in Harry Potter, and uh, just a great actor. Great actor, and um, I heard really good dude, too, like when you meet him. Uh, I heard they were talking people talking about meeting him and and his wife and just how cool and nice of a guy he was. so it's it's really uh sad. So I just def- definitely wanted to uh, shout out uh, Alan Rickman. uh may he rest in peace. So yeah, so going back to the going back to the Giants coach, I hope it works out. I like that Eli likes him and Eli's only had one coach his whole career, which was Coughlin for twelve years and now McAdoo has been his offensive coordinator for two seasons, so he's familiar with him. so at least not too much is gonna change. They basically ship the old man out of town, and they're kind of keeping everything else that they kind of have in place. So let's see what they do with the money. That's all you could. Uh, that's all you could hope for. This week's picks. This week's picks. All right, here we go. I like. I got to see what the lines are. I'm gonna go. You know what? I'm gonna go to USA today with you guys right now, and we're gonna go look at some odds, see what the odds are, and. Uh, This is fun. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to shit on the Golden Globes in a second, but let me just get to this. All right. Let's see here. Odds. Odds, odds, odds. odds. more. Here we go. Where the fuck are the... Every time... Oh, here we go. All right. Odds. So, this week, you have the Chiefs. I got the Patriots minus five against the Chiefs. Um, yep, it looks like the Cardinals are minus seven over the Packers, or they're favored over the Packers by seven. And it looks like the Panthers, see, that's the most interesting game. The most interesting game is definitely, without a doubt, the the Seattle Seahawks and the Panthers, because the Seattle Seahawks are really playing with house money now. I mean, this kid missed a 27-yarder. They knew they were done. It looked like the season was over, and he missed it. So now they're going to go in there going, hey, man, let's get back. We got every reason to go back. We basically lost the game, and we're still here uh, because this kicker missed it. And they're going to go in there just balls to the wall. I'm telling you, man, that's going to be a tough game. And it's always tough when a great team uh, has the bye and a hot team comes in. And as many of you remember, you Packer fans remember, your Packers were 15-1 and one when my New York uh, football giants came in there in 2011 and knocked you right out. And we won the Super Bowl that year. So, um, wow, I just saw somebody just texted me. Uh, somebody just texted me. It looks like Coughlin to the Eagles. Wow. Wow, I'm going to tell you something right now. If Tom Coughlin goes to the Eagles, part of me is not going to care if the Eagles beat us. I mean, I still want to win the game, but part of me, like when the game is finally over and he walks to midfield and shakes McAdoo's hand, part of me is not going to fucking care. I'll be like, good for you. Fucking good for you. Unbelievable that they're going to let him go to, to another team in the division. And he probably doesn't even have to move because it's only like an hour and a half down the turnpike. Holy shit. Is he going to go to the fucking Eagles? That's unbelievable. Um. All right, let's see here. So the Panthers are minus two and a half. The Cardinals are minus seven against the Packers. And the Patriots are minus five. Here's what I like. I like a two-team. I like a tease. I definitely like a tease. And I'd like to tease the Patriots to get in one. So they're plus one. And... The, wow, I think you could go either way. Either give the Packers 13 or have the, have the Cardinals have to win by one. I love that tease. Or how about this tease? How about Patriots plus one, Panthers plus four and a half. So all the Panthers got to do, even if the Panthers lose by three, you still get that bet. That's the bet right there. The bet right there, everybody. You heard it here on TVE. I like this bet. I love teases in the playoffs. You take the Patriots plus one, and you take the Panthers plus four and a half. How's that for a tease? Panthers can lose that game by three at home, and you still win the bet as long as the Patriots beat the Chiefs at home, which I think is going to happen. That's a good bet, everybody. You're welcome. You're welcome. Fuck Powerball. All right? Put a billion on that. <laughs> you imagine putting a billion dollars down on a fucking bet? You'd be puking, crying, laughing. It'd be just the most, oh, it'd be the worst. But that's all I got for sports. Oh, the New York Knicks, almost 500, a good. Porzingis crushing it. All is good with that. Let's get to your guys' unacceptables, and then I will get to my unacceptable. How about that? I'll do yours first, then mine. How much time? Where are we time-wise? Oh man, we're going to be this is going to be another long one. You lucky pigs, you ready? Here we go. Unacceptable time. This one is from Daniel Naylor. Paul, haven't wrote in in a while. Hope all is well. Congrats on your success in 2015. Hope 2016 kicks ass as well. Well, thank you very much, Daniel. A couple of things I'm finding unacceptable these days. Number one, vaping. The word, the act of doing so in public places and the size of these fucking things are getting out of hand. I do not want to hear about it and I do not want kiwi strawberry mist blown in my face. Save your vape talk for the next <laughs> 311 concert, dopes. I love it. Number two, it's unacceptable that during this holiday season I walked into the post office at peak hours with six service windows and um, uh, with six service windows, with one being opened, I've seen smaller lines at the Apple Store on an iPad, on an iPhone release. I know uh, the U.S. Uh, hold on. Oh, the United Postal Service is pretty broke, but why not staff it to its potential at Christmas and bring it down? Uh, and bring it down too during. And hold on, and bring it down. To two, okay, to two, because you had two and then two next to each other. Sorry about that. Why not bring it down to two during July when nobody needs um, to mail shit, okay? I am sure the job is shitty, but you can move a little bit faster, post office people. Uh, Do you not notice the level of animal in the post office line between uh, with the cell phone speaker out loud, people, the inappropriate cell phone talker? Who says the N-word every other second. Or the 17 kids raising hell while parents uh, stares down at the phone. I am surprised they don't make that line their business. Um, take care, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for the submission. And uh, I love all of it. I love all of it. Especially the vape one. Because those people are annoying with their big fucking contraptions. It's like they're holding an old school speaker that fucking blows smoke. It's It's enough. Um. Okay, this one is from Joe Smackle. Oh, this is funny. Paul, after watching my Iowa Hawkeyes get pounded by Stanford at the Rose Bowl, all I wanted to do was go home and drink myself to sleep. As I'm walking back to my car with my buddy Kelly, we walk past what looks like a group of glorified Boy Scouts sitting around a bonfire. As a former security guard that has worked at stadiums, I knew that bonfires like this are unsafe and illegal at tailgates, so I kindly shout out to the oversized Boy Scouts that they should put it out. After thinking I've done my good deed for the day, one of them calls me a faggot. Good! I turn around and start running at them because this type of behavior is completely unacceptable. Luckily, this bald Italian meatball fella was able to calm me down before I gave Nine guys a beatdown. Paul, why can't people just take some advice from legitimate person concerned for their safety? I I know you're kidding. What made matters worse was that my pal Kelly had an IBS attack on the way home and destroyed the passenger seat in my truck. Unacceptable, TVE, or bust. I know you're kidding, Joe. Otherwise, I would give you incredible shit uh, for the safety. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Uh, Very funny. Thank you for the submission. Here we go. This is from Jason Rodriguez. Hey Paul, first thing I saw you in Providence in November, and you killed it. Well, thank you. My unacceptable is I got a job in an office uh, setting on three sides. Setting on three sides of a cubicle, I have older ladies. I think you meant sitting. It's a setting, um, and on. Oh no, you're right. In an office setting. And on three sides of my cubicle, I have older ladies who are constantly going outside for smoke breaks. The hour a day they spend outside is not my unacceptable. It is the stench they bring in with them. It is so bad that I actually went out and got an air freshener for my cubicle. I do not want to get anything crazy. Uh, so I got a Yankee Candle apple scented thing to keep on my desk. Yesterday, one of these fucking ladies actually complained that they could smell it. And they hate the smell of apples. I could not believe it. And she actually went to my supervisor about it when I refused to take it off my desk. Wow. The thing. Wow, man. That's fucking. You, and you should. Oh, dude. See, that's when I would be like, fuck you. You come in stinking. You fucking you're a lady, you should just do that, oh, just, just go, because they're all feminists now, just fuck with them about their fucking gender, be like, yeah, you know what, it's just really unattractive to see a woman stinking like you, cunt, the thing is not strong, but I keep it in front of a fan so I can turn it on when they come back from smoking because I am surrounded and it turns my stomach, it gets so bad. It is unacceptable, these bitches, <laughs> it's unacceptable, put these bitches in an airtight cage. I love it, Jason, and I'm with you 100%. And the fact that they complained about you having apple smell and stuff when they come in smelling like Newports and Parliament and Marlboro, whatever the fuck they're smoking, fuck them. All right, here we go. Um, this is from Kelly Meyer. And he says up front, don't get excited, everybody. Kelly says, "Uh, sorry, not an IBS unacceptable. I don't want to disappoint your fans, but I haven't shit my pants in like two months, which is a big deal for me, and I want to keep the streak going. (laughs) That's funny in itself. All right, here we go. All right. Only a few more here, Uh, guys. Uh, Last night, I was at an intersection waiting to turn left. The light turned from red to green. Turn, uh turn arrow, so I started to go. As I was about to pull into the adjacent crossway, uh, uh, crosswalk, a guy darts out from the curb and starts crossing the street. I slammed on my brakes and came to a stop just inches from him. He started screaming at me, so I pointed to the Do not, uh, don't walk sign. Uh, I motioned for him to get out of the way, and this fucking animal kicks the front bumper of my recently purchased new Mercedes. Wow, I put the car in park right there in the intersection and got out and said, don't fucking touch my car. The guy screams back at me, you almost hit me, asshole. I yelled back at him, I had a green turn signal and you had a don't walk sign, you fucking jerk off. He kicked my car again, then slammed his fist down on the hood. Wow, I saw red. My mind went blank, my wife and kids my jo- <laughs> my wife and my kids, my job, the fact this guy was quite a bit bigger than me uh, or or the thought that I hadn't been in a fight in probably 20 years, none of that mattered. This guy and I are going to fight right here in the street right now and I'm going to fuck him up. I slammed my car door and headed in his direction ready to start swinging, but he threw a coffee Cup at me and then ran away. Wow. Like a fucking pussy. I took a few strides in pursuit, but then heard cars honking at me because I was blocking the intersection. So I returned to reality and went back to my car. This whole thing took less than 30 seconds. Just telling you the story again is making my blood boil. I'm very non violent and mostly I'm all talk, but the fact that I didn't get to punch this cocksmoke undercut is still eating at me fucking animal unacceptable wow great one kelly you never disappoint buddy you don't disappoint even when you're not shitting your pants dude i mean when you're shitting your pants it's on a whole other i mean nobody can shit their pants and tell the story like you however that's a great one and dude uh the fact that you got a new Benz, which is awesome uh and this guy did that is so crazy. Yeah, I mean, I would have just, yeah, it's like, you know what's funny about that is like that has like the, the news story of, yeah, he was a great guy, normal guy, family, kids, everything. I, you know, you just wouldn't expect him to beat somebody to death at a red light. Like all that stuff where you could have lost everything. The best thing that happened for you was this guy threw the coffee at you and ran away. As much as you wanted to kick him, you know, profuse, not stop, unmercifully beat him. The, the best thing happened. Dude, you got a new, beautiful new car, okay? You got a wife, a family, a job. The last thing you want to do, Kelly, is fucking do what you wanted to do, but I totally understand. I'm glad it worked out. Thank you for the submission. That was great. Here we go. This is from Lorenzo Van um, Tornhunt. I hope I said that right. Uh, here we go. Or Tornhunt. Hi, Paul. Here's a new here's a new Belgian unacceptable for you last Friday I went to one of those bars in my city it wasn't a sleazy one in fact it is a popular bar amongst older college guys and I often went there when I was in college myself a couple of years ago since I wanted to get hammered with the guys that night I decided to start the night with a nice scotch I opened the bar's menu card and looked for their section of whiskeys but didn't find anything suddenly I saw written In the hard liquor section of the menu, the word whiskey. I wasn't, it wasn't a subsection or anything like that. It just said whiskey. Paul, I gotta tell you, I felt disrespected, dirty, and betrayed. The animal that owns this bar just put whiskey in his menu without any choice or even explanation of what kind of whiskey it was. As if to say, here animal, (laughs) (coughs) lap this shit up. It's whiskey because I tell you it's whiskey. Um Do you want the single malt fuck you? or do you want the blend that suck my dick? Please close this joint down and drove the owner uh, in the uh, and drown the owner in the bucket of his own uh, bucked of his so-called whiskey. Please put him in a cage uh, please put me in a cage for visiting this bar in the first place. Kind regards Lorenzo. I don't know why a guy why why it would just say whiskey and he didn't give you even any kind of like oh it's fucking Belvini it's it's Lagavulin it's Lefroy you know it's Johnny like not even to, to to say no whiskey or scotch name or just say that's still silly to me. Thank you. Here we go. This is from Derek Warren. Um. Uh, say so Paul. What's with people from New York saying online rather than in line? Like the rest of the fucking country. It makes no sense to say I was standing online online of people. Um I don't know about that. But if that's where you want to go with it, okay. Um there's a there's another one from you, so I'm gonna read this one from you too. Uh here we go. Uh you said for the second time in seven months, I'm owning a brand new car. This is from Derek again, Derek Morn. Uh, owning a car. I find a spot where somebody has hit me. Both times, no note. People these days have no sense of responsibility or accountability. Unacceptable. On another note, I too am looking to lose 15 to 25 pounds. Are you up for a little competition? Well, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I think I'm down about five right now sober for about i believe 13 days now and uh feel great but yeah man message me and let me know how much you're doing how much you're losing and uh i'm I'm down with all my listeners let's go let's get it uh okay here we go this is from drew stein two more guys two more and then i'll give you my unacceptable we'll talk about some movie stuff good to go this is episode 241 Of the best fucking comedy podcast that's out there. You know it. You know it. Fucking sitting here alone. Actually, I might have a guest next week. But I'm sitting here alone giving you people the fucking goods. How many podcasts out there? Come on, you could count on one hand. How many podcasts out there can go toe-to-toe with the kids? Come on, people. You know. You know in your heart of hearts, you fucking know. (laughs) Drew Stein, dear, don't say I'm from New Jersey, Verzi. That's right. That's right, Drew. I was listening to your latest podcast and truer words have never been spoken. You see what I'm talking about? I'm a 20-year-old junior in college, so there is a lot of pressure to drink around my peers and the environment I spend a lot of my time in. However, I've never really enjoyed drinking, so don't, and fuck those animals. And I know the detrimental effects it can have, so I don't really drink, and people are always getting on me on my case about it. Even my girlfriend, who I love very much, sometimes puts pressure on me to drink because she has parties where all her friends are drinking and she gets mad if I don't attend. It was just refreshing to hear somebody say it's unacceptable to look down on somebody who's trying to better themselves. I might be uh, paraphrasing, but now when I'm feeling like an outcast for drinking, your words will help me feel better. Thanks, Drew. Hey, Drew, let me tell you something. First of all, thank you. I'm glad that my words were able to, to help you, give you some comfort and peace. And let me tell you something, okay? I'm not trying to be disrespectful to your girlfriend you need to sit down with your girlfriend you need to go look okay I love you I'm into you okay but I don't fucking appreciate when I say I don't feel like drinking and I don't want to drink okay it's not fucking good for you know it's not when I feel like drinking I'm gonna drink but don't, please don't give me shit for it because it's not fucking cool you need to have that conversation number two your friends who get on you for not drinking and get on your case about it, just be like, look, dude, I did it, doesn't make me feel good, if you want to fucking be my friend and hang, otherwise, I don't give a fuck, okay, I'll hang with somebody else to feel it, there's not, there's nothing wrong with that, dude, there's nothing wrong with that, and the fact that you know that at 20 is good, because I drank like an absolute fucking animal from about 15, 16 years old until I was Really like 24, 25 is when I really started to fucking realize, man, like I'm going down. There were definitely a couple of times where I could have lost my life. Because I'm only 5'8". And I was doing fucking keg stands. I was funneling vodka. Dude, I funneled vodka. Just clear tube of vodka. Just fucking funneled it. I remember one night I drank like fucking, like, the amount of beers I drank were like in the teens. It was fucking ridiculous. Doctor was like, dude, you could have died. You know? I drank a whole bottle one time of like doers. I fucking just woke up in my clothes. You know, and it was just because I just, you know, all kinds of fucked up shit happened. So, and and it was like, man, you know, I just loved to party and have a good time. And I realized I was feeling like shit and, and it wasn't something that was good to do. So the fact that you're 20 and you know that now is great. Everything bad that fucking happened to me in my life 90% of it was when I was drinking or, or high or doing some kind of substance. 90% of it. Think about that. You know? When you're sober, chilling out, watching a movie, or when you're fucking sober, chilling out with your friends, or when you're, you know, you're sleeping good and you're getting to bed at a decent time, you're not going to get arrested. You know when you're going to get arrested? When you're doing shots at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're trying to figure out how the fuck you're going to get home. That's when you're going to get arrested or something bad's going to happen. I'm not saying don't drink I'm not saying fucking don't catch a buzz every once in a while Just do it smart And I, I'm glad that my words helped you You're absolutely right And the fact that you know that is good You need to tell your girlfriend to cut the shit And any friends in your life that are fucking looking at you like that You need to be like fuck you um, Alright here we go This one This one is from Justin Roberts I went to school with a Justin Roberts. I wonder if it's the same one. I don't know. Anyway, this is for making a murderer. Here we go. Hi, Paul. This isn't an unacceptable, but I listened to your review of making a murderer from the last episode, and I just had a couple of thoughts. You mentioned how the defense couldn't say who else could have done it, but I think you misunderstood why they couldn't. It's actually Wisconsin state law that the defense cannot use the alternate, okay, uh, perpetrator defense in a murder case. So their only option uh, options are self-defense or deferring, yes, you're right, I do remember that, uh, uh, culpability, uh, basically saying, I didn't do it, here's why, planted evidence, etc. So that's why they never brought up other possible suspects during the trial in my opinion that's a terrible law i agree with you and i do understand what you're saying in other words and they did mention that in other words when they were saying we don't have anybody to point to they were basically saying because of the law not that we don't think somebody else did it you're absolutely right and i did think of that you brought it to my attention again and and you're 100 right so thank you uh, justin for that Let me keep reading, here, and I do, I agree with you, I think it's a terrible law. Related to this note, her boyfriend seemed a little too eager to be part of the investigation and clearly deleted some voicemails from her phone. I didn't like him. I agree, and I didn't like when the boyfriend was interviewed and he just kind of seemed, he seemed like, no, no, I didn't do it, it just seemed, it seemed a little weird. But that could also be, in his defense, that could also be that they know that boyfriends and ex-boyfriends are pretty much always suspects and he was just fucking really trying to like hammer the point you got to look at it from that that aspect like it has to be scary when a girlfriend of yours or an ex-girlfriend of yours dies and you didn't do it and you know your name is coming up in a room you know it so maybe that could have been part of it but whatever I hear you 100% also, regarding Brendan Dassey, the nephew, I don't believe there is any way he was part of the murder, and his confession was, in my opinion, totally false. Um, he's well below average intelligence, didn't know the meaning of inconsistent, nor did his mom, and he was trying to guess the correct response in order to leave. He had no idea what he was actually saying. Uh, made clear when he asked his mom if he was... Uh, if he was, will he be home in time for wrestle, That's hilarious for WrestleMania after telling the cops a long, tragic murder and rape story? The story he tells couldn't have happened because there is no blood to be found anywhere in the bedroom or garage, and it's actually impossible to clean blood that well. And there wouldn't be any DNA left at all uh, if he had cleaned it. Uh, Yet, they found Stephen's DNA everywhere, but not Teresa's. Uh, The prosecution needed to argue Brendan's story happened in order to keep the hopes of convicting him alive. And also, to use his confession as evidence against Stephen. The theory the prosecution used in the trial simply couldn't have happened. let Let me read that again. The theory the prosecution used in the trial couldn't possibly have happened. I do believe um, he probably killed her at another location and brought her back to the property, but Brendan likely was only involved in the burning, probably unwittingly. Okay. Um, Anyway, sorry if this is so damn long, but I had to get it out. I love the show, and the CD was great. Keep up, and I promise to get to a show if you're ever in Columbus, Ohio area, or Lexington, Kentucky. Go Cats. I love Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, thank you, Justin, and, uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought this to my attention. You know, I was thinking about it more and more, and I will say this, when you watch the Brendan Dassey confession unedited and the real version, and I'm being honest, guys, like, I have no fucking reason to, I wanted nothing more, let me just say this, I wanted nothing more than to watch this documentary and to say that this guy is framed and he's in jail uh, unjustly. I wanted to believe and agree with the filmmakers and most people that think he's innocent. I did. However, when I read other facts about the case and people brought things to my attention and I read them, I was like, wow, it's really hard to not put him there. Also, um, when I watched the Brendan Dassey real confession in real time, not edited by the two women that made the film, you got to understand that. He said things that there were certain moments in the confession where he said things that only somebody there could say. He was definitive with it. He knew it. He wasn't being his simple quiet self with certain things. He was actually saying, okay, no, 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 this happened and that happened and he was here and you're like, oh wow, he just said that. And I also noticed something. Now listen, I'm a comedian. Okay, so I'm not an investigator, a prosecutor, nothing like that, of course. However, one thing I do do is I think I'm able to read people. I think all comedians are able to read people or at least see when somebody is... I think anybody can actually... I think everybody can read somebody to a certain extent. But what I saw when I had to read this guy, you know, this kid talking, I saw when he got any time his involvement... When you watch The Confession, anytime his involvement came into play, he got very quiet and stared down. And it was almost like he was reliving something and he didn't want to be a part of it. And he would always try to just defer himself away from it. But he was very definitive with other things. Uh, I really feel that way. I also feel that when the two cops that were asking him questions, I don't think they were nearly as pushy or led him to a thing that they wanted as much as the movie showed. If you watch the real thing, they kind of knew when he stopped and paused because he didn't want to say something. But they were like, come on, man, just, just you know, we know, just tell us. Did this, you know what I mean? And I, it was much less because I hated those cops when I saw the movie. And the Doc series. I hated him. I was like, these fucking guys bullied this fucking kid who's not smart. Blah, blah. But then I watched it. And I'm like, no, they really didn't. They really fucking didn't. You got to watch the real Brendan Dassey confession. And that's what made me... Somebody went on my Facebook and said, I was about to sign a petition to say that this guy needs to be released. And then I saw the real Brendan Dassey confession and I can't sign it. And I feel the same way. I mean, I wasn't going to sign anything. I'm not that involved in this thing. But, um... I I think that the, the the thing for me is the fact that there was a fucking bonfire in his backyard the day she was there and nobody ever saw her and her phone didn't go off. I mean, I think she was in that fire and I think he was there. So, I mean, it's really hard. And as far as the blood, you know, I just feel like if if what the kid said, like if she was stabbed in the chest or the stomach or whatever yeah there's gonna be blood everywhere but when you have five days and I don't necessarily know blood's gonna like squirt all over the walls like a horror movie you know again I don't know I don't know but I'm just saying it just seems to me that to have five days to clean up and I think in the confession didn't he say something like we just moved her car and put trees on it and all this stuff like these aren't smart people Everyone's like, oh, how come he didn't crush the car and do this and do that? Like, maybe he didn't get around to crushing the car. Maybe he planned to crush the car. But maybe he also thought if the car was crushed, they're going to look at all crushed cars and see. I mean, it's not like the car turns into a fucking cube. You're still going to be able to kind of make something out. So maybe he just figured, I'm just going to put it in this fucking sea of 40 acres of cars. And hopefully nobody sees it. I don't know what his fucking thought process was. But, you know... The whole idea that she shows up to his house and then hours later she's never seen again and there's a bonfire. The fact that police or a boyfriend or someone like that's going to go to the house, kill her or take her, kill her, and then bring her back to the fucking house, I just find that really hard to believe. I'm sorry, I do. The only other thing I could think about in this case, if he didn't do it, and I would fucking feel horrible if he didn't do it, but if he didn't do it, the only other people that did it were insanely close to him like his brothers, or somebody on the property. Like somebody in that whole fucking Avery circle on that fucking salvage yard. Like somebody very close to him. And if they wanted to say, well, fuck it. You know what I mean? That, that's the only thing I could think of if it wasn't him. But I, I don't know. That's it's, it's a tough one. Thank you for the submission. Um, is that it? No. We got one more and then we are, and we're done. Okay. Hey, this is from Chris B., Chris Brown, and it's not the R&B singer beater or the fucking that guy. Hey, Paulie V, last week you talked about the shit people say to people that stop doing something to better their lives. This might be a little long, so I apologize for it now. No, it's not long. But, man, I have a story that still makes my blood boil. Here we go. In early December, my girlfriend and I hosted uh, a friend's birthday party at our house because the friend only lives in the apartment lives in an apartment, and my girl and I just moved into a nice big townhouse sort of place. We are expecting the birth of our uh, first child, congratulations, Um, little baby girl Quinn. So of course, my girl's not drinking, so to jump forward to the party, we have a gang of friends over, uh, having a great time drinking, smoking some dope, and my girl is stone cold sober making sure that everything is going good with everything and one couple of hours go by everyone is feeling good at this point I've only had two whiskeys on the rocks um, and maybe a joint when out of nowhere the friend we are throwing the party for calls me out saying I'm usually way more fun that I'm ruining the party what the fuck right I'm kind of laid back guy, but not this time. I stood up and said, what the fuck did you just say? Look around, it's your fucking party in my goddamn house. Yes, I'm not shit faced like everyone else, but that's because I'm a gentleman and don't want Allie, my girlfriend, to have to deal with a house full of drunk people. She's five months pregnant, uh, so I want her to enjoy the night too and not uh, and not to do it All alone, you fucking cunt. She then said, Who cares if Allie can't drink? You can. What are you, pussy whipped? Wow, something in me snapped at this point, and all I saw was red. I grabbed all her sh- What? I grabbed all her shit, phone, cigarettes, booze, food, jacket, and boots, opened the front door, threw them outside, and told her boyfriend, It's either you walk this bitch out of this door, (laughs) oh shit, or she's going out the window. Damn, dude, that's fucking gangster, man. Needless to say, the party died after that, do you think? <laughs> but fuck these people that, uh, that talk this shit. Fucking assholes in this world, Paul. Sorry it was uh, long. Happy New Year. All the best to you and yours in two, uh, 2016 from Chris Brown in Montreal, Canada. One of my favorite places ever. P.S. Uh, still hungry waiting for that burger recipe. That's hilarious. Uh, well, I gave you the front of it, you know. just I gave you the, the top of it the, the, you know, coat the meat with some oil front and back and keep the juices in. And I don't even know the, the other thing, but those are the Unacceptables. Thank you guys so much, uh, to submit Unacceptables to the Effect podcast. Please email me at Unacceptables for TVE at gmail.com. That is Unacceptables for TVE at gmail.com. I will read them. Um, everybody's been pretty much going to that site instead of Twitter. I don't really think that I have, uh, many Twitter unacceptables anymore. But you could still send them to Twitter. Those are quicker. I do have a couple, which I will, uh, read now. This one is from, uh, Dig On This (coughs) on Twitter. And the Twitter feed is at Dig On This. Paul Verzi, can you believe Mad Max is nominated for Best Picture Unacceptable? No, I can't. I do think that is unacceptable. It was visually cool. The explosives and stunts were cool. But to say that that movie is in a category of best picture is fucking ridiculous. Great submission. I agree with you 100%. I know a lot of people disagree with me on Fury Road. I thought it stunk. Uh, Jeremy Steenbergen. Unacceptable. The Canadian dollar. 69 cents now. That is unacceptable. And that, wow, really? Uh, Thank you for the submission. And that was from, uh, I'm sorry, your Twitter feed is at Stein, uh, it's S-T-N-B-R-G-N, capital N-O, capital E-S. Jeremy Steinbergen, or Steenbergen. Okay, let's see here. Uh, thank you, Kyle Francis. I I saw your video, the Vine you sent. I'm sure you can relate. Your girl just keep giving you shit to do. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Kevin Bush at D.E. Goalie. Uh, Paul, they're listening to your podcast. Uh, They're listening to your podcast. Chinese zoo turns into caging humans instead of animals. And uh, that's funny. A Chinese zoo just put the Chinese zoo. There's this Chinese zoo. And what they did is they got this car or truck, and it's just a big cage in the back with people, and they let the animals go onto the cage, so these tigers are like jumping on the cage, um, and that is from, yes, that is from Kevin Bush, thank you so much, uh, Chris Frost at MM Frosty Boy, that unsettling moment when you point your car into the sun and realize you're out of washer fluid, unacceptable driving blind, that is the worst, that is the fucking worst, um, okay guys that's it for the unacceptables Oh somebody gave me an unacceptable on Facebook let me just see what that is I don't want I don't want to leave anybody out here and then how much time do we have left Oh shit it's another hour and a half show this show is just getting longer this is from Christopher Hyde unacceptable wasn't it back when? There was a time and place to celebrate holidays. Now it's just whatever, whenever. Black Friday is now on a fucking Tuesday. And he's showing all of the um, all of the Easter egg, uh, the mini eggs and all that, the Cadbury eggs and all that stuff are out already. Thank you guys for the unacceptable. Um, wow, I got to wrap this up in the next uh, five to ten minutes here. So I'll say this. Wow, it's been a long show, episode 241. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It went actually quick. Um, I said RIP to Alan Rickman. That's sad. may he rest in peace. My unacceptable is I did a show last night, okay, at um, Levity Live, one of my favorite clubs in America. It's in West Nyack, New York. It's my home away from New York City clubs, and um, they asked me to go there. The club is just the best. The staff is the best. The management, everybody, it's the best. There was a private party. I'm not going to mention names. I'm not going to mention anything else. But I will say this. And if you know me and if you were in that audience and you're listening, good. You need you need to fucking hear this. The website says closed for, for private event. They asked me if I wanted to do it. Apparently it was like hospital people, people that deal in hospice, people that are nurses and all this stuff. Four comedians went on. They wanted me to go on last what I witnessed other comedians have to go through was so fucking enraging. These people were eating and talking over comedians like it was a cafeteria. Then, one of the comedians, Greg Stone, fucking so funny, good dude. He does a raffle before his act. After they, he does, first of all, they should never had him do the fucking raffle. Then they're talking over him afterwards and they make him announce that there's desserts in the back. So people are literally getting up and getting desserts. One of the most fucking ridiculous things, and there was like a Chinese food buffet because it was like all kosher, Jewish, kosher shit, whatever the fuck it was. Dude, I got on stage and I just told people the way they were online for shitty chicken and cookies was absolutely a fucking disgrace, and they should be ashamed of themselves, and I actually got the attention of some people, I said, half of you people are good people, the other half of you people are really, really stupid, and I just stared at them, and I got the attention of the room, and oddly, I got laughs and did well, like, I made the people who were being disrespectful actually be like, oh, I like this guy, it was one of the rudest, most fucking disgraceful displays of audience members I've ever seen. If anybody in that audience is listening to my podcast now, if anybody in that audience knows of me, has been to a show, if you saw me in a big venue like Madison Square Garden or something and you fucking were there last night, I just want to say if if if, if you're one of the people paying attention, this does not pertain to you. But if you weren't, you should be a fucking shame to yourself. To be a part of that audience takes away from the person you fucking are. That's how bad it was. It was an absolute fucking disgrace shit show and the fact and and the way that levity handled it was amazing the staff handled it as best as they could it was it was actually a pleasure to have people actually care and try to make it the best the best that best that best that that they could it was fucking it was one of the most unacceptable displays of audience I've ever fucking seen these people were more into getting free cookies and shitty Chinese food then they were listening to a great stand up show with four professionals who know what the fuck they're doing it was it was a it was a dis, disgrace is an understatement unacceptable one of the most unaccept- I could not believe imagine walking into like a busy cafeteria with people eating and talking and looking at their phones while somebody's on stage with a microphone trying to talk and they had the nerve to say, have the comedians keep it clean and give us rules. And I said on stage when I got on stage, I got to tell you something. I was told not to curse. I was told to be respectful. And the way some of these new tables treated these comedians when they were on stage, it's really hard for me to fucking do that right now. Oh my God. Unacceptable. Got my money, told the people what I really thought of them and left. Uh, okay, everybody, there's only one more thing to do movies, real quick, I saw Alvin and the Chipmunks with my kids, it's a great kids movie, take your kids to see it, obviously I can't review it, it's not a movie you'd ever see, but if you have kids and you want to go see something, it's pretty funny, and my kids liked it, um, I saw that movie, uh, Sicario, with, uh, Benicio Del Del Toro, and, um, Emily Blunt, really good, man, kind of, kind of heavy, kind of dark, but really good, I would see it, it's kind of about, Hitmen and, and the Mexican drug cartel, and, and what the U.S. does to, like, get into the inner circles, and find stuff out, and really, uh, you know, how, like, some of this stuff is, comes into the states, and all that stuff is really good, so I don't want to give too much away, but, uh, if you like violence, if you like, uh, stories like that, drug stories, Mexican cartel, and how we stop them, and all this stuff, I would definitely check that one out, um, and yeah, so it took my son again. saw so Force Awakens for the third time. So I saw it once in IMAX. I saw it once for my, a birthday party my son went to. And then me and my wife took my son again in 3D. And uh, all great. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I, I mean, the cat's out of the bag with that one. I thought it was good. I think people saying that it was too much like other ones. People, you can't win with people. Either the ones that they made, the prequels weren't good and nothing like the good ones. And then this guy makes one like the good ones and it's too much like the good ones. You can't win. Um, The Golden Globes, what a joke. What a fucking joke. A bunch of people sitting there eating, drinking in between commercial breaks. All right. And then, I mean, Ricky Gervais just going, you're all gross. You're all horrible people, horrible people. Right? I don't care. I shut the fuck up. We got it the first time, Ricky. You know, we got it the first time. I'm not gonna apologize. I don't care if people shut the fuck. We get it, dude. We get it. If you didn't have a stupid British accent, it wouldn't be half as funny, anyways. It was. You know what? His monologue wasn't bad. He had some funny things, but then, like in between, I hate you. I really don't care. I don't care. Okay, it's like enough, enough. It's fucking hacky. It's fucking hacky, and he should know that. There's a picture of him in sunglasses giving the middle finger. Oh my god, you're awful. You're awful. What the fuck is my cat doing? Um, that's it. I will shit on the. Uh, I'll shit on the Oscars when that happens. This has been episode two forty one. Plugs go to my website paulverzi.com. Uh, I am local right now, just working on new material, um, and I will. Uh, you know, definitely post up, I'm working on getting to some cities this year for sure, working on some dates, and um, I will be local until then, but you could check paulverzi.com, follow me on Twitter at paulverzi, and uh, until next week, I am out of here, check out gonzofame.com, also all things comedy, where the podcast resides, also my website, I mean, my my album was on there, so check all that out, Um, until 2.42, I am out of here, thank you.